We all have big dreams, but far too often, we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. Our guest today has built a really supportive community based on her value of simply showing up. She's become known for her stance on lifelong learning and having incredible live conversations with people to learn more about what makes each of us tick. We talked about pursuing careers in acting, having the humility to focus on her true values in life, how to get started as a content creator no matter your age, and what it was like to become a stand-up comedian. Please welcome to interview 47, Kristen Being Kristen. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This has been a long time coming for me, for us, I suppose, because we've known each other for a while now. I think going back to the T with V was the, the first time that I had heard your name and got connected during that time, which to be honest, I can't even remember exactly when that was. I feel like it's at the beginning of the pandemic, but I would love to allow you to tell us beyond the fact that you are Kristen being Kristen and people knowing your name, kind of who you are, what you're all about, and then we can get going from there. Okay, sounds good. Um, yes, my uh, Instagram handle is Kristen being Kristen. My nickname is KBK or Mama Bear, depending on how you know me. Um, probably to summarize me, I'm just kind of a passionate people person. I love to help. I love to make people laugh and I just like people to be happy. And I think that's one of the reasons I've loved being a bartender for 20 years. I've actually been able to meet so many interesting people and it's kind of put me on that path to kind of want to share stories, learn more about people and, um, try to find out what makes people tick. I feel like we're all different people and we can really connect. And a lot of times we're so busy putting ourselves into categories and boxes that we don't really get the opportunity to meet all the people that could really impact our lives. I loved Instagram because during the pandemic, I made a lot of really great friendships, did a little podcast, had a little hiccup in my own personal life with my husband in ICU. So I kind of paused all that. And now this is the first opportunity to have a conversation with somebody in quite a while. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited too. And the reason why I love doing that intro, even if it potentially starts to bore the audience sometimes with the exact same way to start, is that it just creates kind of this in the moment bio because we all change as fast as ever in today's day and age. And so to try and pull something from someone's website or ask for like a traditional media kit, it just doesn't work. You know, like three or four of those things you mentioned are all directions and paths that we could go down right now. And I'm sure we'll kind of touch on all of them in some way. One of the things that I wanted to ask about that you mentioned was being a bartender for that long. It made me think of the idea of being introverted versus being extroverted or anywhere in between. I'd love to hear your thoughts when it comes to that topic of what type of person do you see yourself as? That's so funny you say that. I was just thinking about this today because I'm an extrovert, but I'm a private extrovert. So I think why I love bartending is because it feels that I always liked to perform when I was a kid. You know, I, I dabbled in comedy. I acted when I was younger. I moved, moved to New York in my early 20s, but I didn't like the industry. So bartending kind of fills that need to kind of like entertain and be around people and get that energy out. But then I can also like nobody knows who I am when I go home. And I, I kind of like the in and like that being anonymous. When you become a name or like, you know, some of these people that nowadays with social media, they go viral. 
right? And then everybody knows who you are. And then people kind of make perceptions of who you are. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. I get to have that energy and be around people and really perform and entertain everybody. But then I get to go home and just relax and just be Kristen when I want to kind of like chill out. Like, are you saying that you find it a little bit tiring and then you need to kind of recharge? What does the private extroverted part mean? Could you just elaborate on that? Yeah. So I think partly that when you're interacting with people all the time, it is a lot of energy. Like, I mean, think about people that are making content. Content is exhausting making content, especially if you're doing everything on your own, you know, going live constantly and putting out content. It's like that can be exhausting. Hearing people's stories and 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 sharing stories of people and communicating and and entertaining that can be a little bit exhausting. I think like whether you're a comedian, whether you're a content creator, whether you're a singer, um, it's fun when you're on stage, but then you can't just be on stage all the time because you'll just explode. So you kind of need uh, some place to center yourself. So that's what I that's what I mean about sometimes it needs to be to go home and just get in your own thoughts and relax and have your own downtime because it can just be a lot. It's a high energy job too. So you're constantly like putting out all this energy. So you need to kind of consume a little bit and like relax a little bit. So that's what I, I meant about that. And also I think um, what I noticed when I lived in New York, seeing famous people, the way people think, and I think this happens with people that are now doing content, people think they know you. We can look at somebody's page and we think we know them, but you don't really know who that person is. You only know the, the portion of what they're showing. So I think um, that's what I think it can be a little bit stressful because people just walk up to you, to your table and start talking to you or stuff like that. So I think that's what I kind of, uh, I like having a little bit on, on, I can't say the word anonymousness, anonymity. Anonymity. Yeah. Yeah. Anonymousness. Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason why I love talking about that topic of introversion versus extroversion. As I think, first of all, some of it's up for debate and maybe even experts. It's like a lot of things in the medical field or mental health field. We don't really know the answers, but we're all just kind of guessing. And one thing that I definitely have been thinking about a lot recently is the idea of infinite games that we play in life. Uh, you know, parenting being one of them, fitness, maybe nutrition, all these things that really don't have an end. But I feel like a lot of us at different times struggle with them because we feel like there is an end result that we're supposed to be achieving or some kind of state that we're supposed to get to. And so that topic is kind of another one because I didn't realize maybe I wasn't as in tune with my body or my mind, but I do find interviews like this pretty exhausting. And I didn't really realize that before. Uh, I don't know when it clicked, but I was like, it's still worth it. And I love it. But now I recognize that around that I need the ability to kind of recharge, which sort of surprised me because I just thought that I was a little more extroverted. And then as I started digging into that research, I started realizing like, wait a second, I think I'm actually introverted. And I'm overcoming a lot of that sort of kind of uh, biology or nature part through some nurture and practice to do things like this. But that's maybe the reason why it's a bit tiring to overcome that to do it, you know, uh, tension and fatigue and a little bit of stress around amazing, fun, enjoyable conversations. Yeah, I completely, I can completely connect to what you're saying. It's true. It is, you know? Yeah. And so one of the things too, that we're kind of touching on there, I think in both times that you've answered questions so far was the idea of childhood and sort of the upbringing, which a lot of times when people come on the show, they appreciate that they're talking about things that maybe they're not necessarily talking about as much in the world of social media. They're usually talking about like entrepreneurship and how to create content and, 
you know, uh, certain things like that that they get asked a lot. But I love talking about kind of how did we get to the journey through whether it's kindergarten or elementary school and high school. And you mentioned moving to New York. So perhaps could you take us through a little bit of that early journey? And I'll ask like maybe what school was like for you and where you were before you moved to New York. So school is an interesting topic because um, I wasn't really a great student. I was in a creative classroom in kindergarten where you could just kind of write your own books and you illustrate it and there was a piano and all this crazy stuff and I loved it. And then my parents got divorced and I moved to another town and they were actually doing reading, writing and math. And I was like, where the hell's the, where's the piano? <laughs> where's the crayons, you know? And I actually missed a lot of like those, um, those building blocks. So I was always under the impression that I wasn't smart, you know, because I really struggled and I didn't want to say I struggled because I hated being there. So the last thing I wanted to do is be there longer. And so that's where a lot of my performing and my, I think my personality developed as a young age. Cause that was like my coping mechanism. Like I was funny. I could always entertain, um, you know, uh, that's where I kind of thrived. So that's how I kind of worked my way through. I did really well as I could do an oral report. I was really great at telling a story or, or getting up in front of the, um, the classroom, but sitting down and writing a paper was just like exhausting for me. So I think that's what kind of, um, shaped a lot of my my creativity i think that's what i really thrive to and uh, that's what probably wanted me to be that's why i thought i wanted to be an actress when i was younger and my mom was a performer like my mom always danced and she really loved music so i grew up along having a lot of entertainment and musical theater around me so i had a love for um entertaining and she was so good at nurturing that side of me she didn't try to push me into things that weren't for me she really allowed me to find my voice and follow it, which is so opposite of most people. I kind of feel like that's why I was, I'm such a, a dare, daredevil or I'll take chances. I'm not afraid to fail because I was always allowed to just like figure it out and see what happened. And so my mom really gave me a lot of really great lessons that put me far, farther than a lot of other people. A lot of people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s are now trying to do that inside work. And I got to do it when I was like eight, 10 and 12. So I'm kind of lucky in that aspect. Right. The idea of uh, free range children or uh, free range parenting certainly serves us well in many ways. But it sounds like a balance of being supportive as well, you know. Right. And so that's pretty cool. When it came to the idea of like getting into theater or music or all those things that you, you mentioned, was it formal or were you just kind of playing? Like, did you go take acting classes? Did you or was it mostly kind of play based? Um, I was like something I did when I was younger. So there was always like a, a show at my school when I was a kid. And then um, in high in college, I just didn't want to be in a four year college because I didn't want to be stuck with college debt. Because I thought in my head, if I want to be an actress, how am I going to be an actress paying back all these loans? So I did community college and I just got um, a, associates in liberal arts and I had a minor in theater arts. And then I tried a couple jobs and then I decided like if I don't move to New York and try it now, I'm never going to do it. And then I moved to New York and packed all my stuff. And then that was a really great experience because I was by myself and I was in my early 20s. So I had to really learn to like be responsible for myself. I didn't have anybody to go home and take care of me. Like I had to really figure things out. And it really helped me learn who another aspect of who Kristen was, because as I got to observe and watch everybody else, I was kind of like, ooh, I don't really know if this is the industry I really want to be in. And that was a really great lesson for me because it didn't want to be in what I really thought I wanted. So I think that's something that's 
interesting about taking chances in life. You think you want something, you know, they always say, be careful what you wish for, because when you get it, you might not want it. So I think I think that's one of the, the greatest things about taking chances and trying different things. You might realize like, ooh, I really don't like this. You know, like I, this isn't what I want to do. And then, and then you can always try something new. Well, I'd love for you to tell us more about what it was about the industry, because I'm sure there's a lot of nuance there. That could maybe be the entire episode, but it won't be <laughs> kind of the quicker version. I've interviewed one actress and then one person who's thinking of going into acting on this show when it came to that realization, because I think that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. But what was that real realization for you? And how did you come to the realization that maybe that wasn't the exact industry? I think it was because it was in the 90s. And what I realized is um, as a female, a lot of times an agent or whatever is going to send you on jobs that's going to get them the money, right? They're not going to send you on something that challenges you. So if you didn't want to be the girl with your boobs hanging out and like holding a beer bottle, like on a commercial, because it's going to make you money. So I think it came down to like integrity for me. So for me to be famous, isn't um, to be myself is more important than fame or fortune, if that makes any sense. So for me, I think it was a realization that a lot of people will do anything to get to X. And for me, I think that's why you a lot of times people wind up unhappy because they chipped away a piece of themselves to get to that. And they go, well, I'll do what I want to do when I get here. But then you've already compromised so many things about yourself to get there that you've already done the damage. So I think for me, I had to kind of really self-reflect and be like, is this really the, the people I want to be around? And are these are things that I'm willing to sacrifice to get to X. And it just wasn't worth it to me. So I decided like, eh, you know, um, good for them. Just not the industry that I really want to be around. And, you know, uh, you know, you can always still like, that's what made me go back into it years later and go into comedy because I like to do it my way. So like the individual in me really has a hard time conforming to, uh, you know, what they want you to do. So that's why I liked comedy because then I could kind of be me on stage and share my story. So that's what I, that's what it comes down to my individuality. Right. And I was going to ask about when you mentioned self-awareness, if you do know that you like to perform and that that was a goal of yours, I feel like the reason why a lot of people can't pivot is because they just can't move on from that sunken cost or they don't know what their identity would be outside of what was their plan moving to New York with that big dream. And I'm going to succeed at all costs. And then all of a sudden, there you are, you know, 25 years later, hey, maybe you do succeed that be cool too, or maybe you still don't and you're struggling with the idea of being able to move on. What did you learn about yourself in that? Did you find it difficult to pivot? How did you pivot? That kind of stuff. Um, I think it helped that once I met my husband, so I, I was going home to start a life with somebody like I fell in love long distance. So I can't, he was back at home. Um, so family is very important to me. So for me, I'm always like, eh, if it doesn't work out, you can always do something else. So the fact that I was gonna, um, that I was dating somebody that I thought was going to be the person I was going to marry was one part that didn't hurt. Um, and then being around my family and just kind of like being able to relax a little bit because New York was really intense and it was, it's so expensive and it's such a hustle and everybody's there, like just trying to be something or do something. So it's really hard to like make deep connections with people because everyone's so busy, like doing their thing, you know? Um, but it was like the most amazing experience because you, I don't have to, I don't have to regret. I can say I did go to New York. 
I, I tested the waters. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And that's okay. And I think so many people think just because it didn't work out that they failed. You didn't fail. You tried. And you learned a lesson. You learned a really valuable life lesson. You got to know yourself a little bit better. And you know, maybe that wasn't the path. Now, bartending wasn't as glamorous. Okay. But you know what? Um, it wound up being another great, one of my greatest lessons I've ever had. And I'm so grateful I did become a bartender because I, the friendships I've made, the lessons I've learned, the conversations I've had, um, it's like, it's like opening an encyclopedia every day and like reading a new chapter or listening to 15 podcasts a week, because I never know who's going to sit in front of me. It gave me the opportunity to be around my son every day. I didn't have to put him in daycare because I could go to work at night and my husband, you know, so, so everything in life kind of has, it's, it's, it's like, if you just can open your mind to just experience it and listen to your gut and decide, okay, what should I do next? A lot of times you'll know what you're supposed to do if you just don't fight it, you know? So that's what I, that's how I kind of feel. I love that. Speaking of another topic that we could do for an entire episode and <laughs> being able to listen to ourselves and manifest the things that we actually are truly in alignment with is that's a fascinating topic altogether. Mm -hmm. I got to experience the New York City life for all of about 48 hours. Uh, right before the pandemic, thankfully, I got that in because who knows, I probably would have never been there in my life yet still. But the reason was I wanted to go there, collaborate with some people in person and feel the energy of, like you said, a city where the majority of people are trying to succeed. You know, I mean, they have their own troubles, certainly with homelessness and poverty and stuff too. But in that creative space, everyone's like the energy is just so ramped up of whether you're a photographer trying to succeed or in theater or acting or uh, makeup. I worked with a makeup artist when I was there. That was super cool to learn about. But mm -hmm. then I came right back. So I didn't have like the New York living experience and it was not expensive for me. I don't even think I ate and I drove my car there. <laughs> so I drove there. I parked in Jersey, went across, used my camera for like 48 hours <laughs> and then drove back home. But it was what I could do at this point in my life you know, with young, young kids and that kind of thing wasn't doing the big tourist version of going there. But it honestly is an experience that I'll always look back on as something that contributed to my ability to create right. content with a little more confidence, because all of a sudden, I was working with a photographer who's like pretty successful. And I was seeing what it was like a little like you said, uh, a very small, very, very, very small, but a worthwhile version of getting a taste of that and not having regret, even though moving there to try and pursue a dream is certainly not in my cards right now. So yeah, it's it's I'm living here for a while. And so the idea of going into bartending and then that being like the long version of a career, right. but <laughs> still creating content is really an interesting thing to me. I think a lot of people call it like a side hustle or it's, you know, these kind of buzzwords where it's like you're doing one thing, but you're also doing other things. Multi-passionate certainly comes to mind. What do you think it was that allowed you to not just end up being like, okay, I'm settling down, I'm getting married, I'm a bartender, and I'm paying my bills, but I still want to start creating like that ultimately ends up in you and I right. meeting that that is a unique thing. And to me, I think it's a positive thing. Why do you think that you ended up doing that? I think it's because I'm a curious person. 
So I think I'm always like looking to see what's going on. Like I'm always observing and I just, I love to cheer other people. And I always am inspired of how many opportunities there are. And I think right now, especially there's, I mean, there's so many opportunities. You don't need gatekeepers. You don't need agents. You can literally do anything you want with your phone and a little bit of like, I don't know, balls, right? You know what I mean? If you just have the guts to try, you can really do anything you want to do. And I think um, the reason, I think because I have things that I want to share and I think that I have things that I want to teach people. So I think that's what inspires me to try because um, I'm not, a, I, I don't understand why you can't do things. Everyone else, I was like, well, I, I, I can't try this or I can't do that. I'm always like, why can't you? I'm the, op I think opposite of so many people in so many ways. And another thing that really inspired me when I got into comedy was, my son and I were watching like a Carol Burnett special one night and I was like, oh, shoot, I really miss performing. I want to I want to do comedy because I wanted to make people laugh because I felt people were so and this is even before COVID. I felt people were too serious and wound too tight and were losing their sense of humor. So I was like, well, maybe I can use comedy as a way to kind of open up um, thought processes or dialogues. And um, so I think that you people just think that their their life is over just because you got a job. Like, why can't you always have a passion on the side? Just because you're a parent doesn't mean that you can't have a, a side passion or something that's yours, a hobby or something that you really want to do. And I think when it comes to creativity, you know, most people need a job that pays the bills. And then that's when you can pursue your passion on the side. Like whether you write at night or pull out a guitar on a Monday night at an open mic or have a band that you play with on Wednesdays, uh, that, that's the whole point of life. You know, you can have multiple chapters. I'm just working my way through the book Unicorn Space, Ooh. and that's essentially what the whole idea is. Eve Rodsky talks about the idea that, and I, I love it so much. It's really in alignment because when I'm trying to help people offline or online, I'm always like, it could be a hobby, it could be a job, or anywhere along that continuum. And that's the challenge. It's like a little bit esoteric. It's it's like our brains or the constellations of stars. There's so much that goes into it. There's no one answer. I often say it, it scales down to an individual's DNA, like mm -hmm. a, as unique as that in terms of what it looks like. Either way, it's like the thing that's currently fueling your creative passion or outlet and that kind of thing. And so that's what she coins unicorn space that everyone needs to have their unicorn space in some way, shape or form in their life at every given moment. Like you said earlier, not once I get to this point or whatever, they, they always have it as part of them. Again, I still think it takes a huge like pat on the back for you in terms of doing it, because I just still think it's super, super rare. And you mentioned that a lot of people kind of have, let's say, excuses or reasons for why they can't do something. You make it sound easy, but I'm sure there were ups and downs. The journey of like, Okay, well, I guess first, when did you start creating content and being a content creator? And then from then until now, what are some things you've learned about those kind of pros and cons? Oh, that's great. So I think I was just putting out positive quotes on my Instagram originally, just because I wanted to make people be happy, right? Uh, and then COVID is when it really ramped up um, after Tea with V. Um, that's when I started doing an Instagram live nightly, uh, five, five nights a week. I was, you know, trying to keep people's minds off of the news cycle and trying to get me, make, make people feel entertained and kind of prepare people for like staying focused. And then when I went back to work, I was kind of, I started a podcast. So I was doing a podcast once a week. I was doing an IG live once a week, putting out daily content. And that's a really interesting thing. When my husband got sick 
and he wound up in ICU. I had to really like shut everything down because I had to kind of focus on him. And it kind of made me think like, whoa, if he doesn't come home, what was I doing for the past year of his life? I was like obsessed with my phone, like liking, commenting, blah, 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 blah. And it made me kind of like really reflect on like, okay, if I'm going to be making content when he gets better, how can I do it? That's more, um, you know, like we've got work-life balance. I think we need social media content balance because I think when you're trying to build something and you're the only person, it's a, it's a big time um, consumption, right? Yeah. And so for me, I had to be like, okay, when I had to kind of focus on him, get him healthy. And then when I got him healthy, I kind of really just wanted to help people. After that, I was like, people are really, there's been a lot of like, ramifications of the past three years a lot of people are struggling mentally emotionally um a lot of people are just really need a little help in inhaling so when i came back recently i was like okay i'm gonna put out things when i want to and i'm gonna really try to be more productive of the things that i really want to accomplish i'm not gonna just make myself a slave to having my instagram posts out every day because there's so many one of the things i realized is when i stopped a lot of people weren't like like written on my phone, like, Hey, are you okay? Like what's going on? Like nobody even met, nobody even knew that I was missing because you can keep scrolling. There's a million other people right behind you. So for me, I would kind of like had to be a little bit more, um, all right, what's my, what's my purpose? What's my passion? And what am I trying to do with my content going forward? So it gave me a different kind of a different priority. So that's where I'm at right now. So I'm kind of trying to work on some creative projects, um, and then try to figure out how I can use, the lessons that I've learned throughout bartending and my life and how that can help other people. So that's what I'm working on right now. Was there anything that really, well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that your husband's doing well and home and those things makes me happy for you and your family. When you went through that journey of becoming a content creator, was there anything that really surprised you that like if someone else is sitting listening to this and they haven't started creating yet the one thing they're going to learn of course from that point which is massive and i'm still learning it is that counterbalance (laughs) let's call it that because it's hard to find balance like right now i'm pretty all in on this conversation but then afterwards i'm gonna go you know pick up my kiddos and we'll have a nice relaxing evening so that's of course a huge point but was there anything else that like you really found like more difficult or some kind of other things that you were surprised, you know, some myths maybe that are out there about becoming a content creator. Yeah. I think a lot of people are worried too much about um, likes or fitting in instead of sticking to who they are and what they want. So for me, uh, that was one of the biggest lessons. I, everything I always do is because I have something I want to say and I just want to be me. I don't want to fit into like, so like when, um, when trends start up and everyone starts jumping on the trends, great. That might blow up your account. But if that's not what you really want to be doing, did you really, was that a win or was that really a loss for you personally? And so I think that's what people have to kind of understand. I don't want to sit there and do certain trends. So maybe I won't get as much likes and maybe my page won't get pushed as much. Well, that's okay. Because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find the tribe of the people that vibe with what I'm talking about. And if it helps one person and it makes them have a better day or it makes them come out of a dark place, that's a win for me. Uh, So it's not how many people I have following me and it's not how many likes my page win. And if I went viral, because I feel like if you start being sucked into that, that algorithm trend and start listening to all the gurus and listening to a lot of people, 
they might guide you in a direction that's not really your direction. It's the same thing as it goes back to when I went into New York and tried to be an actress. And I started realizing it's the same thing with social media. And I think people have to really like, you have to know yourself because if you don't know yourself, you can get pretty lost in this, like in this screen. That's for damn sure. And I've seen it happen to a lot of people. So that's what I learned. I really appreciate that, especially the idea of falling into an algorithm where you have all the gurus and stuff. The one thing that I, if I elaborate on the purpose of this show, I often say it's to kind of remove the snake oil that exists out there in the world of online education and edutainment and just interview people who actually know what the heck they're talking about, specific to their industry or field or expertise that have good values that are out there to help people. Uh, and there are thousands of great people like that to have conversations with. And then hopefully, a few people will listen and learn the lessons that are not just put out into the world of content in order to make money for people or get that quick kind of like, I was going to say click funnel, I don't want to knock a specific company, but like the idea of building a funnel to get a quick conversion on a sale on like an online course, just because that's the business they're building or like some of the snake oil coaches that are out there. And I see this a lot, a lot, a lot with very young, impressionable youth. It reminds me of a much more healthy gang culture, but like the idea that because they're impressionable, mm -hmm. people can go kind of take advantage of them by sharing information online and then having them pay for like things that give them kind of false hope in terms of their pathway in business or something like that. And so I, I love that. I wish that I could find some way to get rid of all of that by building like content that educates for free. Speaking of the idea of educating for free, that ties into this too. You mentioned uh, self-awareness being really important. And I was listening to Matt Hagen's book, uh, Burn the Boats, just this morning. And he talks in there about the idea of being self-aware enough to know what help you need in your business so that if, heaven forbid, you or a family member were sick for a period of time, you could step away from it and it would still run. That got me thinking, and this is very similar to what you were talking about, of how impossible that would be for my current content that I create, because it's not like a formal business. It's very far on the creative art side of things. Now, where do you fall in terms of, you mentioned your plan now and your purpose moving forward. What is it that you are trying to build? Do you have that figured out yet? Yeah, so what I've realized is I was like, okay, I wanna teach, I wanna help, right? How do I help and teach, right? But then when you listen to the gurus, Everybody wants to have a niche or a niche. You know what I mean? Like the niches get the riches or whatever. The niches get the riches or whatever they say. And to me, no, like, it's uh, snitches get stitches. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so it's like, and that goes back to me again. I'm, I'm listening to all these people and I'm like, but I don't really want to be in a box or just a specific, like, I don't want to have a sentence that says, this is, this is the only people that I can work with. I've always felt like in life in general, when you make it this small, great, but then I'm missing all these other people, right? And so from being a bartender, I feel like I'm kind of a chameleon and I can kind of connect to a lot of different people and a lot of different aspects. You know, I'm a mom. I, I, I pulled my son out of traditional school. I came through a lot of hard things. I've had like a lot of different lessons that I've learned through my own life. So um, I have a really hard time when I'm trying to put it down to like one specific thing. So I've been spending a lot of time really like observing, learning, listening, just taking a lot of free online courses just to kind of like help me flush out all these ideas in my brain. And I've gone back and forth about so many different things. Okay, how am I going to help? What am I going to call it? Do I want to do a course? Do I want to do this? 
So I think I've decided that I want to kind of write a book, just something simple about skills that I've learned behind the bar that really people can use in life because I really think a lot of those skills really do help in relationships and business. And they're not the traditional um, things that you're going to learn in a business course. So I kind of think that that's what makes them kind of special. So that's what I've been working on right now. I just been outlining that and I'm trying to get myself to kind of hold my feet to the fire and write daily and get this done. Um, so I'm working on some creative book ideas and then eventually there'll probably be a training or a course that I can kind of like maybe take into companies and then also kind of work with people like online and kind of help them just kind of tap into being themselves. My whole key is like, I want people to be themselves. I'm so sick of everybody trying to be somebody else. Like that is the gift. You are so special. And so many people throughout society tell you that you're not because you're not this person or that person. And I would love to just get individuality and originality back and authenticity and realness back probably 2023 and forward. I love that. It's like when we talked about the first intro and you shared all the different things that you do, which I already knew you were a very multi-passionate person. And I mentioned that we could go in many directions. I kind of feel like that way right now again. And one of them I'll just share quickly because it's very resource based is that um, Brendan Kane wrote the book, One Million Followers. So he was on the show. He wrote the book Hook Point as well. But what was really interesting was we were talking about this idea and it was only the second time that I, I felt I heard a really good example of not following a niche. Ooh. And it was kind of like a, ah, finally. And like, this is like super, super guru. You know, he helped Taylor Swift start her first social media campaigns. So the guy knows what he's doing. And uh, Buster Shear was the first one. The very first episode of this show I asked him about that exact question in a very binary way. Like, what do you feel about niche versus non-niche? And he said, well, it depends on the goal. If you're trying to build like one specific revenue stream, then of course you have to go niche, know your target audience, blah, 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 blah. But if you're trying to build right. something that has legacy and longevity, then he's like, that's why I hop around from random news stories, Pokemon cards, basketball, like, and obviously it works for him. You know, he just posted a picture yesterday of him stand, standing with uh, Gronkowski and Tom Brady. <laughs> and it's like, he's doing good things. Yeah. But I, I completely understand where you're coming from in terms of like feeling stressed around that idea. So when it comes to that book, what's cool is that I feel like I've dropped a ton of resources today. But uh, Nicholas Cole wrote Snow Leopard recently. And that book goes into like, how do you become the most broad, wide person on the internet as a writer. Yet, when you create a post, or you create a newsletter, or you create a book, you're really, really, really capturing a specific person. And it's it's um, it's a bit formulaic, I guess, the book, I think in a good way, because it allows you to be like, am I doing these things when I'm creating what he calls categories that that group of, you know, a few hundred thousand people are going to love your category you created so much that they're buying that book. And so to that sort of category, would that be specific to bartending and the things you learned? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what I think. Because I kind of picture it as like more like a broad brand. Like, um, I think there's something about the service industry that could benefit everybody. I feel like everybody should at least do it for like at least two weeks of their life. Because I think you learn so much about yourself. It builds up you know, multitasking, you know, mental toughness. I mean, thinking on your feet, there's just so many skill sets that you get back there. And then I, I have so many anecdotal stories that are just hysterical of like, just what people say and do. So I really feel like, you know, uh, for instance, I said to some of the day, like when someone says something mean to me, 
or calls me a, a swear, or like a fucking bitch or something like that, right? I look around, I'm like, I don't have a human resources to go to. I keep like, hey, um, Bob Smith just called me a bitch. You know, I have to like think on my feet, solve the situation, and I have to go to the next person without treating them like an asshole because that person was me. You know what I mean? So there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. So I really feel like it can be something that a lot of people could understand, connect, and actually find humorous. And then I think people could actually take lessons from it and be like, oh, wow, that's that's interesting. I never thought of it from that point of view. I could really use that in my day-to-day or, oh, that's a better way to handle my coworker, X, X, Y, you know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of skill sets in there that I think could really benefit a lot of people in today's world, you know? Is it always Bob Smith, the local that's an <laughs> asshole? Sometimes it's Samantha Smith too. No, just kidding. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where that name came from. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to look them up and apologize. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> the uh, idea of transferable skills, uh, I feel is massive. And for some reason, jobs get so underrated, you know, do you feel like if you were to, let's say, succeed as an author, where you're booking these speaking events, and all of a sudden, people want work- workshops and coaching, or even just your book takes off like Harry Potter or something, that you would leave the industry of serving? Or is that something that you just think like is always going to be a part of you? I don't know. I. I, I, I'm obsessed with it. I kind of love it. And I love the, the, the two guys I work for. I've been with them for um over 11 years. So I don't know if, if everything took off, I'd probably just keep it like at least one night a week or two nights a week, just because there's something that I get from it. You know, like it, it really kind of keeps me my, my kind of like my finger on the pulse of society. If, if that means, you know what I mean? Like there's something about the creativity when I'm there. I hear things or it inspires me. So there's something that I don't know if I'd want to give it up completely, you know, because there's just way too many, too many goodness, like great customers are just um, lessons that I get every day. You know, I, I, a lot of times, a lot of my content comes from a a personal experience or, you know, something somebody said to me the night before and I can write it down and I can make a post about it, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if I could give it up completely. I really appreciate hearing that. I feel like it just shows, again, a lot of your self-awareness and those kinds of things. I often think of if I were to kind of, again, I'll use air quotes and say succeed in the world of content creation, this podcast and whatever that looks like, how and to what extent I would be able to still get into schools because that's kind of the industry and the field that I've always been in is that traditional education piece. And I feel similarly that it creates so many connections and little inspiring things of that nature. When we first met and started talking about these things, it was on T with V. We've brought it up a, a couple times maybe because people don't know what the heck that is. Could you kind of tell the story of what that was, how you ended up on it, and perhaps what you gained from that experience? Yeah, that was so uh, during COVID, Gary Vaynerchuk had a show called Tea with Gary V. Um, I got to be one of the pr- people that asked him a question. We had kind of a, a cool dialogue and a lot of people seem, <laughs> so many people seem to think that I knew him or that we we kept in touch. Like people ask me all the time, like I've never spoken to him again. <laughs> I missed my time and that was it. I'm not part of his community. I'm not part of his team, whatever. Um, and, but it, it was really kind of like one of the best things I thought that I learned from that is that I think people think, and especially if you're watching social media or you're looking up to different people or you're you know, consuming people's content, you think that somebody has the key. And I really feel like the past two or three years, I kind of feel like Dorothy and I've kind of been going down like the yellow brick road and I keep pulling back the curtain. I'm like, oh, it's just a person. 
pressing buttons. And so I think that was the greatest lesson for me. I've learned that, um, and I think this is what people have to remind themselves, you already have the keys to your own success within, within yourself. You just have to be willing to put the work forward and just believe a little bit in yourself. No one is going to make, you know, wave a magic wand and make it happen. No one is going to get your business off the ground. No one is going to get your book written. And I mean, well, I mean, if you have a lot of money, maybe you could pay a ghostwriter to write it. And they'd be like, this is my book. But like, but I mean, for instance, but like if you really have a passion or you have a project, you really have to do the work and you really can do anything if you're willing to put the time and energy into it. So I think that was probably the greatest lesson that I got because. It was kind of like pushing me off the cliff to make me do it. And then I was like, okay, now it's time for me to actually learn as I'm going and figure it out. And I think there's something that it, it means a little bit more when you worked a little bit harder for it. That's just how I feel. Maybe it's how I grew up. But I like when I say, this is what I did. You know, um, I, I don't know. There's something that makes you feel accomplished when you didn't quit on yourself and you stuck with it and you actually got it done. So I think that was one of the greatest lessons is that um, and that's what I would like to inspire to people to remind themselves that you can do it. You know, you, there's way too much information on the Internet right now for you not to do it. And those lessons will really help anybody else thinking of either continuing down the goal that they have or setting a new one or setting their first one. And again, back to that idea of like the side hustle, because you have a job, you know, you have other responsibilities in life, and yet you're continuing to push down that road of achieving those goals, whether it's the book or something else as well. For the people who are trying to start that or continue down that road, what other advice would you have for the people that aren't going full-time yet or are like stressed about the fact of like, when do I go full-time or how do I do this if I can't do it full-time? One of the things is um, don't put too much pressure on it, right? Like everyone wants it to happen overnight. And I, I've had the luxury of watching a lot of other people around me like try things. And like, it's kind of interesting because you can kind of see how do they do it? Oh, now they don't like this. Or you know what I mean? I think so many people jump and then it becomes almost like, one of the reasons I think I take my time and I don't mind it failing a little bit is because I feel like I get more clarity as I go along. Sometimes you like it goes back to that whole like, do you want this or do you not want that? You know, um, and I, I change a lot. So sometimes um, that's why I like just breaking it down into little things. I, I have a big like long term goal. I visualize, you know, the book and meeting people like, you know, doing like little book signings. Like I have like have a big vision of what I think it's going to be. Right. But I understand that it's going to start with like the little work has to get done first and then you can kind of build the stepping stones. It's almost like building the bricks of the foundation. And I think people have to stop worrying about it being the big picture and really focus on the little picture. And it's funny you say that I, I stumbled upon that book, um, the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. Have you heard about that book? I like that title rings familiar, but I've never read it for sure. And I don't know that I know what it's about. Okay, so I want to get it because I saw a bunch of clips about it today. And speaking about this, there was a, an MMA fighter or a fighter that was on a podcast and someone says, you know, if, um, how do you keep yourself focused? Like when, you know, there's a big thing you're trying to do and you don't know how to like whatever. And he said, there's a quote in that book when the boy's like, I don't know, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And he goes, well, can you see the step in front of you? And he says, yes. He's like, we'll start with that. I think people have to stop looking at the final project they're trying to do. And just start with like really tapping in, like, what am I trying to accomplish and what would make me happiest and why do I want to do this? And then just break it up into little sections and just enjoy like the journey. I know it sounds so stupid, but like 
the journey really is the best part. That's my thing because I really feel like that's where my greatest lessons come. And then I'm like, ooh, I really don't want to go, you know, straight ahead. I kind of think I want to take this left instead. And then I kind of come to this other place in the end. I'm like, wow, that was so much better. Yeah. And I'm happy with where it is now. I love the idea of sometimes the perfect version just before this version was actually the better version. That kind of idea that sometimes we try and perfect things so much when really if we just, you mentioned an MMA fighter and the idea of taking your first step. Well, if there's a punch coming there, maybe you want to take a step back. And it's like that idea of it's also okay to do that and, and move left and right. The MMA fighter is a great, that's a great example. Uh, <laughs> not that that was the exact like metaphor, yeah. but. He was he was being interviewed and he brought up the book and I had just stumbled upon that book this morning. There's so many clips of it. And I think like the BBC made it into like a, a short um, like video series. But I'm gonna, the book looks beautiful, but it's full of like amazing life lessons. And I just think that it could help anybody, um, no matter whether you're six, eight or 80. I think the life lessons in it can really and it's just an easy little picture book. But I think so many people are overwhelmed when they want to do something. And I think so many people are lost right now too, and feeling so like lonely or um, unfulfilled. So I just think that anything that can like lift somebody's spirits or make them like get a couple good little quotes in the back of the head would be really helpful to anybody right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to check out the book. I'm going to buy it. That's awesome. And then share the summary to social <laughs> Rick Rubin's book, the creative act is another good one too. And a paragraph that I saw in that last night, and he doesn't name names in the book, clearly by design, but obviously he's worked with a lot of massive artists. And so he was talking about like a multiple Grammy award winning a female artist really stressing about being nervous to put out another record. And he is such a matter of fact person that he said to her, like, you know, that's a very good option. And there's lots of good reasons to quit music. And you have so much money, you don't need to keep making music. And then within a second, she was like, she realized, no, I would prefer to keep making music. And he was like, it's just so important that all of us realize like it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you could or don't like it just literally is that that simple. Uh, and to hear it put that way by somebody who I presume is like Taylor Swift or somebody that he was talking with it is pretty is pretty neat. Because that's definitely reassuring for those of us and me who are nowhere near that level of a reputation that she would have or a massive artist would have. So clearly, I can pivot to or, you know, switch from this podcast exactly. to something else. I personally feel like I have gotten very close to figuring out that full alignment thing that I'm that I'm ready to yeah. like pour gas on the fire when it comes to this show. And that's exciting. And that's only really been in 2023. In your case, it sounds like you have content creation, writing the book. So definitely some things that you're pretty clear on or getting clear on. Uh, when it comes to the habits to do that, though, I think that's the other piece that's often missing for people. So like, what does your calendar look like? Are you the type of person who leaves it super random and maybe you'll work on the book at some point? Or are you writing 10 minutes a day? What does that look like for you? Working on a lot of things simultaneously. So it's been a little bit hard. Like, you know, um, I'm trying to like learn how to open business because you have to have like, I think like if you're going to build something you're going to sell, you need to have a business because you know, in America with the taxes and everything, I want to make sure that was right. So I spent a lot of time learning the business side of it. So now I'm trying to get a little bit more, figure out what the right system is for me. I was playing with maybe trying the Pomodoro method because I am a procrastinator sometimes. So I was thinking of like, maybe like 
And I don't like over schedule because that makes me feel anxiety. So like I kind of like to, I'm a little bit more of a free faller, but it is easy to blow an hour out of your day and be like, I got nothing accomplished. So I think I'm going to try the Pomodoro method as a way to kind of do it. I have the outline. So now I just have to kind of sit down and fill in the different things and start putting the stories down. So that's something I think I was going to try just like 20 minutes on this, 20 minutes on this, 20 minutes on this, go do what I got to do for the day. Cause yes, I do have a job and I do have a house and stuff like that. So um, I'm trying to hold myself a little bit more accountable. So that's, I think how I'm going to do it because that's one of my biggest things. So many of my ideas, I have so many ideas in this head of mine. So I've been trying to do more brain dumps. Um, I've been really just trying to dump a lot of like the creative products that are in here and just get them on like a outline. And then that way I can kind of go back and work on different ones at different times. Yeah, I have a pretty massive, a few massive documents. One's literally called poetry and there's like so much little poetry in it. One's called hip hop lyrics. There's so many like just potential lyrics and bars and paragraphs and titles and like things in one. And then there's just one called ideas and that one, who knows, it's like thousands of pages. That's so cool. That's where I just quickly voice note to those documents. If I were to go try and work on those right now, then this podcast, and that happened to me three years ago, I'd get an episode out literally every couple of months, which is like ridiculous. If I was coaching someone in the world of podcasting, which I would feel very confident doing now, that's certainly not the schedule that I'd be having them maintain. Even if you are super busy, like we can do better than that if it's a priority. And so when it comes to trying to be consistent, I think that'll definitely add up for you. It's been adding up for me with this show. Yeah, you mentioned so many ideas. I know that you are do stand up comedy. I know that you obviously work in the service industry. You are a great interviewer. That's something we haven't really talked too much about. One thing that I like asking people about on this show is because we are often so multi passionate, but there's probably one or two things that creep to the top in terms of at least your personal interests to teach something, if you were to create, let's say like a high school course that you think would be really valuable to you to learn or just enjoyable, like it doesn't need to be super deep, but what kind of course would you love to sort of flex your expertise on being able to share with people? I think if I were gonna do one for young people, it would probably have to be about um, not, uh, I always have a line that says um, everyone in this world is trying to be somebody else when reality, the greatest gift is being yourself. So if I were to make a course for kids, it would probably be a course about originality and individuality and the value of being yourself. Because I really feel like there was always when I was growing up, I'm like in my 50s. So when I was growing up, there was clicks, right? You had the jocks, you had the this, you had the that. But now with social media, there's such a influence on children so young because they're getting a phone in their hand so young and you don't even know who you really are like and and you're gonna like pass out all these amazing opportunities to be this 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 you could be the next great like creator or like artist or or i don't know make something that everyone's gonna need in their house and you might miss out on that because you were too worried about fitting in with all the other kids in your class because you didn't want to spend too much time doing this or that and i really feel like everything gets boring if everybody's using the same color crayon. Like the whole point is like having a multitude of things. So it'd either be, um, it'd probably be individuality and confidence would be the two things that I would want to work on because I really feel like, um, I feel like kids don't, aren't being taught what emotions are anymore. I feel like we're putting labels on everybody and we're not even giving them the opportunity to feel their feelings. Like I feel like fear is such an important um, skill set to have inside of you 
but we're labeling it as like you're anxious and we're like numbing it, but then you're not given like that skill set that you need in order to guide you in life. Like fear is one of the biggest things because it's what makes you want to try something that makes you almost feel like you want to throw up. But then at the same, same time, when you hit an area that you shouldn't be in, it's the thing that makes the alarm go off in the back of your head. So I feel like we really need to spend a little bit more time letting kids learn that emotions are okay and it's all right to feel them. So it'd probably be like an emotion and a confidence thing mixed together. Which I love that in terms of accomplishing it. Yeah. I can't think of anything more aligned with this show too. My one question would be, because this is something I've struggled with, how how do you think are ways that we teach that? I mean, I don't know. Do you remember like, I really feel like um, Mr. Rogers was really good with that. He really like his, I don't know, I grew up remembering him and I watched a movie about him recently. I was like, damn, he was so good at saying like, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. Like we don't even use those words. Like my mom was really good. I interviewed her when I used to have my podcast and she had a really good point. She says, kids are little people. They have thoughts and feelings and fears and and stresses too. Just because they're a kid doesn't mean life is grand. Like we just think because we're at work that your life is supposed to be easy. So I really feel like, even just opening the dialogue about like, you know, like letting a kid feel their feelings is important. Like, hey, angry, that's okay. Do you want to go punch a pillow or smash a plate? Like, you know, like that's okay. You're having a tough day. What do you need? You need a little time out. I think like we could do things by like maybe having a color code because sometimes kids just can't express what they're feeling. So I feel like maybe just having a way that you can kind of like say to your kid, like, hey, is today yellow? Everything's cool, but you just don't want to talk. Great. Like we want like a lot of parents need to be fulfilled in such a way, like, and it comes from their own issues. So if you're pushing in your child, what you need for them, it's like the same thing when you're in a relationship, your partner can't validate you. You have to validate yourself. So as a parent, I think one of the hardest things about being a parent is realizing that you're there to guide and to nurture, but you you're trying to help them become who they need to be, not who you want them to be. And it's a hard, ooh, it's the hardest thing to do. But I think with my son, I always, because my mom did for me, I've always tried to let him be who he is. And he's creative and he thinks differently and school wasn't for him. And I had to kind of take a different path for him. And I think he's really been a great, great teacher for me. And I think a lot of the lessons that I have learned from how to handle him, I, I try to tell parents, like, you know, the, you, you can't make all their choices for them. Like, they're going to have to try to make choices and you're just going to have to be there to pick them up and they fall down. That's okay. You say, Hey, that's all right. You fell down. And and that's why I really want to read this book because I think this book could be a really good book that maybe more kids and adults should read together. Cause then maybe could open up a dialogue and talk about the feelings that we don't know how to bring up anymore. Yeah. Our kids read uh, the inside out book, which is just based on the inside out movie almost every night. I mean, they just know it off the heart now. So it's only a few pages. Like it just goes through the characters. Have you seen the inside out movie? No, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I never saw the whole thing because my son was a little bit older when that came out. But I'm glad that they made that because that was a movie that finally talked about emotions. Like, oh my God, what a crazy concept, <laughs> you know? And even though your kid is a bit older, I'm not sure if he's if they've seen it or not, but should still sit down and do a family movie night because yeah. uh, it's one of these perfect examples of you watch it and you're like, 
wow, do I wish everybody in my workplace as adults could just watch this movie. I get there to be mandatory viewing for our staff because that ability to self-regulate, it happens all the time. And actually, Gary Vee is one of the main people that I've seen say a lot about happiness. And every time he says it, it bothers me because I know that there are people listening to that struggling with the fact that they don't feel happy. And I'm like, well, right behind me is a, a painting that my father made and it has both of my brother's ashes in it as an example, right? It's a pretty amazing piece of art. I wrote a poem, wrote poetry uh, for the funeral when Ryan passed away. And Shane Coyzen has the quote that when your heart breaks, make art with the pieces. And I think sadness and fear and anger are so helpful and so healthy if we're able to take them and then it's like Mortal Kombat, like channel them into that power in a a direction that you want to channel it as opposed to randomness. And the thing that I'll add is I I work in a jail for youth, many of my like day-to-day working days, and they used to give this um, booklet that like basically is supposed to help them kind of turn their life around, rehabilitate, etc. And one of the first questions that's like a reflection journal type page and the kids are to answer like what is something that you want to do better with your emotions you know by the time you leave here or whatever and every single one of them says stop being angry and like people will be like yeah that's a good idea that's a good idea and i'm like no that's a terrible idea because it's not possible um and when we try to sustain it that's when we get so frustrated that we go jump someone in the alley or hurt ourselves or whatever so i mean i know i'm kind of uh speaking to someone who really completely agrees and we could just talk about that in circles but i just really appreciate that you did say that when it comes to the emotional piece you know yeah i mean you gotta let them understand that you gotta express your anger in the most productive way possible you you know what i mean you gotta like anger it has to be felt and you're it's all right to be angry and i think we have to normalize that anger and fear and sadness are three different things. And you know what I mean? So I think that I just was, that was more of a dialogue for kids because I think once they could recognize that they wouldn't feel alone, they wouldn't feel like they were wrong. They would, and maybe they'd be better at, you know, regulating and figuring out how to use it in a productive manner. So yeah. I, and I love what you do because that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to interview back then because I think that um I'm so passionate about youth and especially youth that come from trouble or trauma. Because if you don't learn how to um, navigate through trouble or trauma, it doesn't go away. It just kind of, it's just there and then it can kind of fester up when like, you know, so it's important work to do. And at the really dark, deep level, (laughs) when that's the case, either you die young or you live long and struggle throughout pretty much the entire time of that suffering. That's what I've witnessed Mm -hmm. every time, pretty much, unless you do figure it out. And so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that that's something that you're passionate about too because it's a shame it's not as complicated as we make it out to be it's just we need to get those right pieces of information and right kind of support networks at the right time Uh, you Mm -hmm. mentioned interviewing your mom when you had a podcast and so does that mean that the podcast is not coming back is it coming back kind of where are we at with that I stopped it when my husband got sick because I kind of stopped everything so it was a it was a long ordeal I mean he was in the hospital for 74 days He's in a coma. We didn't know if he was going to make it. So like, I just couldn't even like think about putting out content because back to like what really matters. And then when I came out, it was almost like um, just getting him back to being himself was important. And then I feel like 2022 was like, I had a ref- like going back to feelings. You have to feel them. You have to deal with them. Then you have to heal them. 2022 was a big year of healing for me because I feel like I was in like Buffalo mode, like just 
I'm just going to solve this problem, fix it, you know? And then after I came out of it the next year, I was kind of like, wow, that was, that was hard. That was scary. That was all these things. And I just kind of was like, I had to kind of let myself kind of catch up. And so, um, I wasn't really ready to just jump back in because it just felt overwhelming. Like making content was almost like, Oh God, this is like, this is a lot, you know? So, um, it's on pause right now. I think I would like to bring one back eventually. Um, I just don't know. Um, because it is a time-consuming thing. Like I would film mine live because if I ever pre-recorded it, I would have never got an episode out with my. I would have like to think of editing everything would be like on top of everything else. <laughs> so I think I will bring one out again eventually once I find out what I really want to, how I want, how it can be helpful, and what I want, what type of conversations I want to have again. So that's an, that'll be something that'll come out down the line. That's a cool insight. I know we're going to have to wrap soon here, but I wanted to ask about the podcast piece because that's how we first worked together was going on your show. At the time, I remember thinking how good you were at a few things, you know, one, reaching out to people uh, of all different, like a diverse group of people, let's put it that way. Also being a really good interviewer, like those were two things that stood out to me. If somebody came to you, you know, or they're listening to this, they're like, I've wanted to start a podcast, but they're not. What is that kind of like, you know, five things or like things that come to mind to you to help a friend who wanted to start a show or whatever that you would kind of rattle off and, and bullet point at least? Funny, everybody keeps doing that to me. I keep going over everybody's house and helping them set up there. <laughs> there you go. So for me, I always say, um, kind of think about what, why do you want to have a podcast? Like, it, it depends. Are you trying to monetize or are you just trying to have cool conversations. For me, I wasn't trying to monetize. I just want to have cool conversations and, you know, be able to put up interesting conversations that people can learn from something. So I think one, you have to know what you're trying to do with it because it is time consuming. It is very fun, but it's very saturated too. So if you think you're going to do it to make a million dollars and be Joe Rogan or so-and-so, it's probably not going to happen. Um, so just understand what you're trying to get into it. Two, decide, um, are you someone that wants to go live? Or are you somebody that wants to record and then go back and edit it and you don't, you know, you want to make it the way you want to make it? Um, three, um, I would say, what type of technology do you want to use? Do you want to be audio and visual or just audio? You know, because um, there's so many ways to do um, content. And then um, I think interviewing is a really big part of it. I think people, same thing with comedy. People will see comedy and think it looks so easy to just go up on stage and just talk. And then you get up there and you're like, oh, shit, it's because they've been doing it for five years. That's why it's so good. I think I was lucky because being a bartender, it's, it is like being a podcast host. So I think conversation was easy for me. Um, so I think that you have to, you might have to um, watch a couple things and learn, like, what do you, how do you want to set up your con? Some people will set questions. Some people just say, hey, you want to come out and talk? And they'll just go off the cuff. So I think you have to kind of know those type of things when, you, when you're going to start a podcast and then give it a shot. But if it's something you really want to do, just do it. It's way too easy to do. I use StreamYard. It was so simple. You went live. You just put it over onto, onto um, what was the other thing I used? Anchor. And then Anchor put it out everywhere. Nice and easy. Boom, done. You know, so you want to do it? Go for it. Try it out. See how it goes. If you love it, you might it might turn into like the most popular podcast and you may, maybe you will be the next Joe Rogan. You know, so just have, have expectations of what you're looking to do. You never know. Yeah. Correct. 
Because it's one of those fascinating topics that it's like it's saturated. But then if you look at like actual pure st- statistics, it's like, well, it's also not because it's still new enough as a medium that the, the, the people who are good and let's just put it up even a more important way, maybe that stick with it can can be successful if they want that to be their one thing anyways, or their main thing. Correct. When it comes to interviewing, you went pretty quickly. You did say it's a big part of it. But what are at least a couple things that you would recommend that people do to improve being an interviewer? I would say know who you're bringing on and what you're trying to get out of the conversation when you bring somebody on. Um, I had a friend that was telling me about he did a podcast with somebody and his co-partner didn't do any research and asked completely wrong questions. <laughs> like the person didn't write the song that he was asking about. He's just looking at the guy. So when he told me that, I'm like, that is so embarrassing. Like you have to do your homework. Like, and that's the thing, like uh, being a good interviewer, you have to be a good listener. You have to be able to direct a conversation too, because um, if you're on a podcast, sometimes someone could go off and you have to kind of know how to like, you know, tailor the conversation. Like it's almost like a tennis match. Like you want to, you want to like, you know, hit a ball and then hit the ball back and then hit the ball, you know? So, um, I think there's some skill sets that goes into that. So if it's, if it's not something you've ever done, it might benefit you maybe watching some of your favorite ones and seeing what you like about how that person handles the conversation and then maybe even read something about, you know, interviewing interview skills, you know, because uh, a lot of people today are on the phones and they're texting. So they're not as good with talking as they think that they are until they do it, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which where the bartending thing certainly comes in or any service industry teaching for sure. It's like still front of mind. Those are very helpful tips. I always create like a little blog post of the episode. And so that will definitely be part of what I place in there to bring a lot of value to people. When it comes to just quickly the uh, comedy piece, we <laughs> it's like whenever I do this show, there's always things kind of like ideas or themes, right? Like you said, I do my research. So it's not like I started asking you about nursing <laughs> or something else, you know, in the times that I've like edited and then posted a show 100% of the time, maybe 99, there's like one or two maybe episodes where it didn't come up. But almost all the time, it was like, hey, we'll definitely have to run this back in the future because we don't have time to go into some of these other awesome things that you do. One of those huge ones is comedy. Like for me, you mentioned that people being super shocked that it was like difficult. I rank number one in terms of the things that I think I'd be most scared to do is dancing. And then number two, I think would be comedy. Like I think that would be so challenging in terms of overcoming vulnerability to not just try it, like who cares you get up there and suck but get up there and actually be half way decent where you're entertaining that's just a side note but i feel like comedy is something that we'll have to talk about again in the future but before we do i ask you the theme questions i just wanted to say like is that something that you are still doing too i know (laughs) again that's another thing just yeah it's like i i got into it because i really wanted to help inhale and i got into it before covid and then after covid um, when I started doing the IG lives and the podcast, I realized that I really like more conversation, you know, because um, I was older when I got into comedy. And so, again, after I got into it, I was kind of like, well, what am I trying to accomplish in this? I don't really want to have a Netflix special. I don't want to go to Hollywood and have a, a, um, my own show on the weekend. You know what I mean? So then I was kind of like, well, I can use humor on my, you know, when I'm making content or whatever. So it was it was a way to kind of get me back on stage and and build some skill sets. And it's something I play with once in a while. Like if I want, if I'm bored and I really want to like just dump some information, I'll just jump up and do an open mic because you can always just go out and just have some fun with it. So it's still something I'm passionate about, but it's not something that I'm working on at the moment, you know? 
I go through my phases. <laughs> Which is good because it's going to lead, like you said earlier, to that ultimate decision of where you end up going that you were supposed to go. And I think that's really perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier about having our creative unicorn space and we talked about the idea of side hustles and we talked about so many different things when it comes to that and i think that's just like another perfect example of what that is or could be for you so i think there's no better example than the life you lead and live when it comes to all of this uh, i always ask people the same few themed questions like some podcasters do and the first one is that if you were to leave one piece of advice for the next generation, being a parent, maybe that's even easier. What would that piece of overarching advice be? Uh, enjoy the journey. You know, like the highways always, if you look at traffic and everyone's taking the same road, take a left or a right. Like that is the whole point. You never know what you're going to find if you just take the scenic route. So don't worry if everybody's going that way. Like, it's okay if you decided, you know, say, that's probably where you're going to find your happiness. You know, you're, you're probably going to, a lot of people I think are unhappy because they're always doing what everybody else is doing. So just have a little bit of guts to try something different and allow yourself to just taste things and try things. And what's one thing that you yourself are learning right now? Uh, I am learning tech which is not my strong point. So I'm learning like websites and some more content and uh, editing. I'm always learning something because if you want to have your own thing until you can hire people to do things, you got to do it yourself. So, so that goes back to, um, and then with technology moving so rapidly, I've been really learning a lot about AI because it's just like, I can't believe the technical advances that have been made in the past couple of months. It's been insane. So that's what I've been kind of learning. I've been really researching a lot of stuff, like what's the best way to do a business, you know, um, multiple ways of streaming, um, like stream incomes, um, so that you can kind of make it a little bit more, um, get your stuff out there, SEO, I'm trying to learn all that stuff. So it's, it's a lot, but it's interesting because then I learn something new and then you can collaborate with other people. Then if a friend is doing something, you can help your friend with something, they can help you. So then just find those people that are also working on things too. I really appreciate that. I kind of bounced around. I went deep into each level of online, each kind of like category of online business and stuff too, because I wanted to know again, back to the snake oil piece, when I'm helping support someone else, especially teens who have this dream of, you know, accomplishing something in the world of starting a blog. So needing SEO or starting a YouTube channel yeah. or creating an online course or a podcast, I did like each of those kind of courses from the people that I thought after some research were some of the top leaders in the space. So I took their course, learned it, but not because I know necessarily was going to do all of them. But again, I wanted to kind of know them all and then pick one to double down on. And in this case, with the podcast. Mm -hmm. So the third one is kind of giving the mic to you. You've already asked me like a lot of questions last time. But if I were to allow you given the context we have now, or maybe something that might help my audience by creating a piece of content around it, what would be a question that you would have for me? I love your um your quote, uh, two rules to life, just keep giving and just keep learning. They're probably two of my favorite things. I really like giving and learning. Um, I feel like life is always full of uh, lessons. So why do you end your, why do you have that as like kind of like your, your, how did you decide to put that in and what does it mean to you? Well, the JKL part, which funny enough is something that uh, Matthew McConaughey is like famous for saying the just keep living line. I think that's what it is. Uh, but either way, I didn't even really know that existed until after I was using that term of just keep 
learning. And so for that one specifically, a funny thing is that it actually stems from some of my own healing with mental illness and really realizing that one of the things that seems to have helped, because I think it's always a mystery when we overcome something like acute anxiety or depression, like you can't really pinpoint how you started to feel better. But I do feel like starting to take a learning stance was a big part of it. Like as opposed to thinking like, oh, I suck or I don't deserve to be living today because I'm having so many panic attacks. I was starting to shift with help of my psychologist into like this mindset of like learning about it. Like, so maybe why do I feel like this today? And really, really taking like a learning stance. And then that was in my teen years, which is, you know, a long time ago now. It just kind of never really went away. And then when I was in the workplace, I was noticing it with relationships too. So I would find, well, for me, I was pretty much, I could work with anybody, but a lot of other people that I was mentoring would struggle with working with people. And I'd have these spats and they both go away crying. And it's like, I would be frustrated. And I was like, if I ever was teaching a course on how to cooperate and collaborate and be amicable with people in the workplace, again, I would go back to that JKL thing because when someone's like really mean to me, I, again, am more interested in understanding why their brain's operating that way or what they're going through than what than, than why it's being pointed at me. You know, I'm just more interested in learning about them. And then the other thing that snowballed into was the idea of when I was growing up, I would look at people and I could name some specific people who seemed like they were always good at everything. You know, like that dude who can play the guitar. He's still one of the stronger people in the gym. He's also on the hockey team. And then he's like a straight A student. And you kind of feel like I was a good football player, but I was kind of like, that's it. You know, like, I was like, that's all I got. So the multi-passionate people who aren't just doing everything for fun, but they're actually really good at everything always bothered me because like I thought that I was less than them and it really impacted my confidence. But then what I realized was, no, I just didn't quite have the uh, growth mindset, like cheat codes to learning that clearly they did because they were able to learn something like piano or how to draw a lot more efficiently than me. And a lot of the things that I was doing was actually slowing me down or getting in the way. And I wasn't putting in the reps, like we could go down the, the rabbit hole of learning for a very long time. But that's kind of the third bucket that I think of in terms of that JKL piece. And that's why that to me is like the entire brand. And it stands for, I actually have one of those memo notes kind of ideas, brain dump space for why JKL. And I think it has like over 40 bullet points on it right now. So that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of the concept. And if I write a book, definitely that'll either be in the title or the subtitle. Um, the just keep giving piece was just tacked on, to be honest, except for I I will mention one specific thing, like the term just keep closing or always be closing like ABC as like a business term always kind of bothered me a little bit. And I've, I'm pretty good at sales, but I still, I love what um, Alex Harmozy says. I need some people's money, but I don't need everyone's money. Oh, that's awesome. And so I feel like the idea of like the sleazy sales piece of always be closing and kind of Wall Street mentality is a little bit ridiculous too. And so I t sometimes tack that uh, JKG part on there too. Just if you just keep giving, then, then you're going to be all right too. One last thing. <laughs> when This is definitely the longest I've ever answered that answer too, because I think that was a really thoughtful question that was close to home. But I work with a lot of youth who also have real severe stressors in their life, trauma and mental illness. And whenever I can work with them to get them in a position of volunteering in some way, shape or form, you know, I took a, a group of teen moms who had dealt with a lot of their own issues around ex-boyfriends and ex 
parents who weren't healthy for them and assault when they were younger and all these really toxic things. And now they're trying to parent little babies. We uh, made Christmas cards for kids that were sick with cancer one year. I love it. And we did a whole bunch of other initiatives that year. Every single time we were doing that, they felt great. So that was something that I also learned through my own mental health Mm -hmm. in my early 20s that when I went and was like pushing kids in, in wheelchairs at a day camp, I never, I always felt good. (laughs) So it was just like that simple of a thing too, is that if we keep in that mindset, if we do those two things, life's going to go pretty good. I love it. I love that. I feel right on line with you on that. I totally agree with you. Thank you. Thank you for asking. The last question is always where people can find you if they want to support your work or check out more. Okay. So I'm most active on uh, Instagram under Kristen being Kristen with an I-N-I-N because I want to spell it E-N. <laughs> and that's where you can find me. And that's where um, all the new projects will be announced. And who knows where I'll also be putting content. I might start dabbling the YouTube short uh, world soon. I heard, you know, so, but that's going to be a whole nother. I have to learn all that again, all over again too. So, but yeah, Instagram is the, probably the place, place to find me right now and stay up to what I'm doing. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I know I mentioned earlier that someday in the future, whether it's episode 300 or something, it doesn't really matter. We'll have to run it back because conversations with you are always really valuable. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. JKL listeners, thank you so much for being here. I believe greatly in having the courage to speak our own goals out into the universe. And one of mine is to help millions of people achieve their own dreams with this show. So please do continue to pass it along to those you think would benefit. Thank you to our guest, Kristen. She's always stayed true to the values that we love to see on this show. Things like growth mindset, work ethic, and kindness, just to name a few. As always, we love getting your DMs or comments about the show. If you have any input on guests or topics, please don't be shy. Just let us know. Until the next episode, all the best. And remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true. But there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.